Welcome to Awkward MMA. I am your new host. If you've been watching Awkward Fight Talk, I'm Z Hut. I'm new to this, so this is my first time with uh, Jared Braun. And uh, let's get going. We don't have seasons anymore, uh, just because we want to make sure we're making the most quality content now. And uh, you know, we're it, with what's going on. We don't really have as much, you know, to work with because not as many people are in the gym training. Um, you know, sad reality, but you know, it's the way it is, but we got to work with what we got, but I'm going to give it to Jared. So how about you tell me what got you in M MMA and, uh, you got your start in wrestling, right? Yeah. So I started wrestling, um, back in seventh grade, I believe I was 13. Um, just so happened to be like walking down the hall and, uh, the, the captain and, um, the head coach were talking and they needed a 65 pounder cause they didn't have one. And I was so small, like, uh, growing up. Like, I think my freshman year of high school, I weighed, like, 100 pounds total. So, like, at that at that time, I think I was walking, like, 60 pounds. And they just grabbed me, and they're like, hey, what are you doing after school? And I was like, oh, nothing. Instantly, like, crapping myself because they're huge. And, like, one of them actually, like, had muscles for a middle schooler. Um, so I was like, nothing. I came, got my butt whooped, and uh, I don't know why, but, like, kept going back and just kind of fell in love with it, honestly. Um, my introduction to MMA actually kind of happened through wrestling as well. Um, in high school, I, I was, uh, lucky enough to, to run into, uh, a coach called Izzy Martinez. Um, he does the wrestling for, uh, for guys like, uh, John Jones and Holly Holm out in, uh, New Mexico at Jackson's. And, uh, he got into MMA, like, uh, I want to say my third or fourth year with him. So I started out just wrestling with him. He was just a youth coach. Um, I was like 13, he was like 26 or 27, so about my age now, so relatively young. And uh, and then, like, I guess uh, he went down uh, to New Mexico with Clay Guida and then ran into John and, like, those guys. And obviously he's, like, a, he's a, you know, mastermind in wrestling, so, um, you know, they took to him pretty quickly. Um, so I was kind of lucky enough to, like, as I was wrestling, he would bring in MMA guys for me to wrestle with so we could get him better, like uh, – I want to say I wrestled with Yair when he was, like, 21 or 22 when he was really young, before I even knew who he was, like, before he was big. Like, you'd bring in guys like that and just have me wrestle with them. So, like, uh, I would watch, I would watch, and I'd be like, dude, this is this is pretty cool. Like, I could see myself getting into it. Um, and then my freshman year at college, uh, during the preseason, we actually had a guy on the team who was, like, uh, a junior at the time. Uh, his name was Dimitri Boyer, and he had uh, an MMA fight. And I was like, dude, like, let's go watch. So we brought the whole wrestling team. And it's out in Iowa, so, like, people love this stuff, dude. And Iowa, like, combat sports and wrestling, like, the, uh, you might as well be a football player, like, in Texas. Like, they worship the ground you walk on. It's the it's If you've never gone and seen or, like, never had the opportunity to wrestle in Iowa, like, I would actually, like, really recommend, like, just go to the high school state tournament and see what it's like. Because I wrestled in Illinois, and that's, like, one of the top in the country, but, like, their love in Iowa for the wrestling is is, is unsurpassed. Um, so we went to his fight, and I watched it, and I was like, that was super sick. Like, he subbed this guy in the first round. And then uh, afterwards, we were talking, and we were, like, messing around bullshit. And uh, he was like, I bet you won't get in there, like, after season. I was like, all right, like, just talking. Like, I was like, give me a fight, and I will. And then after season rolled around, and he was like, hey, you got one month to, like, get ready. Like, you got a fight. Like, I got you a fight. So uh, that, that's how it started. I went in there, and then, uh, believe it or not, I had my second fight the next weekend. 
He uh, my first fight was at 125, and then after that happened, I think it was like two days later, he had a title fight for a different promotion the following weekend, and he was like, "Hey, there's a guy who's like three and one at 135." So, like, obviously, I just made 25, so I was probably sitting at 140 so I could make it. And he was like, nobody wants to fight him, so I already told the promoter you're in. And I'm like, dude, what the fuck? Like, you didn't even ask me at all. Like, but I was obviously not going to say no because it was someone I looked up to. So I was like, all right, let's go do this. And after I had those fights back to back, it was like, dude, I was hooked. There was no, yeah, there was no going back. Like, re- like going out there to wrestle like, I've been on big stages. Like, I've wrestled at NCAAs. Like, I've wrestled at the national tournament in high school. Made the finals one year. Um, so, like, I've wrestled on big stages before. But, like, nothing in, in my life has ever got my heart pumping and, like, felt more alive or, like, excited to do something than, like, fighting. So, once I, like, I did my first couple, there was, like, yeah, there was no going back. I knew I was, like, after I was done with college, I was, like, I already know, like, I'm all in. It was your true love from yeah. like the get go. Yeah, honestly, I wouldn't I wouldn't call it my true love. I would say I would say wrestling is always probably my true love, and like I'll always have like a special place for it in my heart. But like I feel like I had wrestled for so long, and MMA is getting so lucrative that I'm like, dude, this would be stupid not to do it. On top of that, like my degree in college was exercise science, so it's. Dude, it's like I understand like the way the body moves and like nutrition on my own. Like I don't need to go get a strength coach. Like I don't need to go get a nu- uh, nutritionist. Like I c- I can do it myself. Mm-hmm. And then like just the years of of like grinding and like doing things on like empty stomachs with no food and wrestling, you know, cutting weight and stuff like that. I feel like it's o- honestly almost cultivated me or like got me ready for MMA. So I feel like MMA is my purpose, but wrestling will always be like. That my true love, yeah. Yeah, like it's like something you just can never, yeah. you know, get get rid of. Like, so, like, because I follow you on Instagram, and I see mm-hmm. that you're at, like, wrestling tournaments and stuff like that, like for, like, high schools and colleges and everything. Sure. Like, out of, like, that percentage, how much would you say is MMA, and then how much would you say is, like, wrestling? Like, as far as, like, my posts on Instagram? Uh, not your posts, but, like, how much time do you really spend in the wrestling realm still? Oh, I would probably say 50-50. Um just because I feel like when guys go into MMA, they kind of fall in love with different facets of it, like that that weren't their specialty when they came in. But I feel like no matter how good I get at striking or jujitsu, wrestling will always be when things get like hot and heavy, my go to. So I feel like I need to always keep that sharp and like up to date with what's going on. Um, but then MMA is also something that's very new, so it's uh it's like in that honeymoon stage where I'm kind of like able to watch it and be like, oh, this is, like, awesome. Like, this is brand new. This is fresh. But, like, I feel like I understand wrestling at such a deep level that I always want to watch it and kind of learn more and, like, always kind of improve that, improve that, improve that. So it's so kind of like, like Mackenzie Dern in jiu-jitsu. Like, no matter how many times she goes to the octagon, yeah. she's always going to be known as that black belt in Arizona that always, you know – you know, tapped people out like no other. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And that's, like, the same style that I want to bring to the cage. It's, like, a Khabib-esque style. Like, I'm not trying to go in there and take Have a, you experimented with, like, Sambo or anything like that, too? No, but um, I did try out judo a little bit when I was in uh, when I was in high school. My parents would bring me to, like, uh, different spots and, like, jujitsu a little bit. Um, so, like, I had experimented with them before, but not, like... Not really in depth. I kind of like 
latched on to wrestling right away and I was like, this is it. Like I knew, I knew right away from like a young age that I was like, wrestling is it for me. Oh yeah. Especially cause I was so small. So I was like, there's this weight classes for this. So I was like, thank God. Cause I tried, I tried uh, football my freshman year weighing a hundred pounds. So I got absolutely destroyed. Um, so I was like, wrestling, there's a weight class 103. I'm in like, you know what I'm saying? So well, um, what do you fight at at MMA? Uh, I fight it when obviously like when I'm, Gonna be in the the higher level professionals, 125, but I also fight at 35 because it's easier to get fights at 35. There's just more more horses in that stable than there is at 25. You oh know yeah. what I'm saying? And I probably walk at like 140 if I'm eating relatively clean, and then 145 if I'm kind of eating what I want. So it's not a terrible cut to 35, and it's a pretty solid cut to 25. Yeah, and then, you know, not to bring up, like, a sensitive subject, but I can see why you would stay at 135 because everyone talks about how, like, 125 is in danger. Yes. I mean, I still see that there's, like, a light over the horizon with uh, yeah. DF and uh, Joseph Benavides after I saw that. But, like, it's so unfortunate that he missed weight, and, you know, it kind of put the whole thing on hold. But I feel like, sure. you know, he's that uncrowned champion now. But speaking of, like, 125, you've been hanging out with Triple C and mm. uh, Valentin. They're both, like, 125 champions. Yeah. Um, so like if you're new to this, it must be going like a great way for you if you're already in their circle. How's that? Yeah. I'll, the reason why I feel like I can do well with this because I feel like Izzy prepared, prepared me for it well. Cause I was, um, after my, after my senior year of college, when I graduated, I did my internship, actually like my capstone senior internship with Izzy as an assistant coach. Cause it had to be something relatively in your field. So I went and exercise science wrestling coach. So um, I was with him, and then after that, after I graduated, he, like, took me in. Like, I was living um, I was living with him for a while um, at his place, and then uh, eventually um, things got kind of – we needed a space from each other, so he put me up in the attic of his gym. So I literally lived in the attic of the gym, and uh, the reason why I really honestly wanted to is because I remember hearing a story that uh, when Jose Aldo started, he used to live in the gym. So I was like, I want to do the same shit. Like, if if this guy is a legend, like, I want to take the same, like, path that a legend is taking because obviously it must do something for you. And uh, honestly, it did the world for me because when I was, like, by myself and it was wake up every day and, you know, he had this certain schedule for me and I had to get this done and I'm not allowed to go do anything unless I get 10 five-minute rounds on the bag and unless I'm, you know, helping out two to three times a day with these wrestling coach um, practices. So, um, I would say being, just being around with Izzy, he, he took me around a lot of, of great people. Like we would go to Rufus sport back and forth. So I was around Anthony Pettis, Sergio Pettis. Like he would force me to spar with like different guys there. And then he would force like the Pettis brothers to come sit and watch, or he would have all the, like the kids that I coached come and watch. So like he forced me to always like be under a spotlight and have to deal with like heavy pressure so like I feel like now that I'm around them I'm like they're just any other people to me because like that's really good too like you're you're sparring with like the Pettis brothers or like at least working with them if they're just on the sidelines because as a wrestler you're going up against like people who are natural born strikers and stuff so that clash of styles is just really intense I'm guessing yeah it it was uh, it was honestly kind of brutal it was a really brutal in the beginning because um I wasn't necessarily learning any uh, striking technique so I had my wrestling so when I was going um, I would basically just go in there and just 
spar with absolutely no like no learning of any technique and just going in there and just wrestling and figure things out so especially when i would go with professionals like sergio who for a 125er and now he's fighting at 35 has probably the longest reach i felt like i've ever like had like this dude is just pinpointing me from from different directions and stuff and i'm like let me just get close like god please <laughs> let me grab him um so i feel like um that has obviously prepared me well um as well so i feel like it's 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 no different to me than and you got to really throw else. yourself in with those high level guys to prepare yeah. yourself and have that challenge and just kind of like humble yourself so you don't get like a big head or anything like that mm -hmm. that's i mean that's like that like just to you know take those challenges is just an amazing thing it's like in jujitsu like when you're just like starting off as a white belt or something sure. and you're like saying i want to go with the blue belts and then no i want to go with the purple belts or the brown belts like knowing you're just outclassed but this experience is going to be good for you because you're probably going to learn something that like the other white belts may not sure. know or something like that i mean you're probably not going not going to be the only one doing it but the more you do it it's just going to benefit your career in like the long run yeah there's a there's a there's a line jay-z says in one of his songs i used to listen to a lot and he says you can't be scared to fail and search your perfection so like i feel like when you go with like those top top guys and even though you lose you you still have seen it you've seen what they have so you know like this is the extent that it gets to so if i can just every time i see that portion of them again like if i improve on it next time there's no way that these average guys who are walking around now can touch me because okay. if i can defend it from the champ then no way like and on top of that i know where i need to get to and what i need to pass in order to become the champ myself so yeah. that's the way i see it and dude it's in the gym who cares yeah it's, there's no it's ego well, it, at that point it's straight ego if you lose in the gym and you are like upset about it it's straight ego because who's seen it and does it count it's practice like yeah. you know it's practice for like when about people are watching you know talking about practice. <laughs> but it, it's it's just i think like that's a good thing that people need like just mm -hmm. in general is you know having like your ego tested and everything sure. like that and just you know knowing you know no matter how and this is like the one thing that my grandfather always like taught you know my dad and then my dad handed it down to me no matter how good you are at boxing you know um fighting or any sort of anything like anything non-fighting like because i'm i'm currently like doing trade school right now sure and like i'll go in with people who have like years of welding experience who worked on the pipelines and stuff and like instead of like looking at those guys like with any sort of resentment look for them as like look at them as someone you could learn something as like and and like if you're like with Definitely. wrestling i'm sure like when you look at triple c or someone like that you want to learn from that guy. You don't want to hold any like jealousy or resentment or anything like that. Yeah. But actually like, what would you say is the, you know, probably one of the funniest failure stories that you're grateful for in a sense. Okay. Um, this one's going to be kind of wild, but like, I'm, I'm cool with it. Getting kind of wild. Um, the first college that I was at, I was only there, um, for a year because when I first like got out, um, of high school I wasn't I wasn't really prepared for the real world at all and I kind of had like a misconception of the way things worked um so I ended up actually basically failing out of the first year like about the first college that I was at so but I was still trying to get back in um so I was going to a community college nearby and uh my buddies from that college invited me over so I came over and uh it's probably like eight eight o'clock at this point 
And uh, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of this, but it's called uh, 99 Bananas. It's like uh, it's a certain no, type. I, I want to know it's about a cer- it. <laughs> it's a certain type of liquor that is. Uh, I believe it's ninety nine. Oh, the the vodka, yeah. the flavored vodka. And this, yeah, oh, the flavored that vodka. That takes me back to senior year of college, right there. Yeah. So it's um, they get this whole bottle and they're, dude, this this stuff should not be legal because it doesn't taste like liquor at all. Um, and my it's friends, good. Are, yeah, yeah, my friends are agging me on, agging me on, and I'm just going, 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 and I'm realized. Probably three quarters of the bottle's gone. It's eight thirty, and like I'm like, I think only me and like one other guy have taken a shot from this. Like so, like ninety percent of it's mine, dude. Eight forty five hits, and I and it's completely black. I wake up at three a.m. and I'm I'm butt naked in the hospital, <laughs> and I have no idea how I got there. And what happened was basically at this point I had I had blacked out. And uh, and at the time I was talking, it was it was it was a perfect setup because I I know that I was meant to go on this path because things could not have been like domino affected worse. So I'm talking to this uh, I'm talking to this girl at the time, and uh, it's parents weekend, so it gets even worse. <laughs> um, it's parents weekend. And I go to the place called uh, the pub where they're having like the parents event, and uh, her parents there, and her father's like. Uh, her father, I want to say, is like a gen, not a general, but relatively, or a captain or something in the army. And he's there, like, in his full outfit. And I guess, like, I went up to her and, like, just, like, be- like obviously, I'm, I'm blackout, so, like, nothing is making sense. I'm talking like Nick Diaz on his last interview. Um, so, <laughs> I'm, and I'm talking, and I'm, she supposedly said I was trying to talk to her father. And then I, I grabbed him by the back of the neck, like, pulled him into me and, like, whispered something. Like, threw him off and then, like, left. <laughs> And uh, went back. So, like, after that happened, I went back to the dorm and I start, like, obviously, like, violently throwing up. My friends are trying to take care of me. And then on top of that, just so happened that somebody on someone's whiteboard, like, you know how the college dorms, like, people hang whiteboards up? Somebody had just so happened to been consistently writing the word rape on, on this whiteboard. So the dean of students is just so happened to be walking down this hall. And I'm dying in like the bathroom and you can hear it. and like my friends have me in the shower so like i'm obviously like under control but like dude i was obviously from what they said i was hurting so he's like i can't let this happen like uh like this is parents weekend and you have this kid like he's basically like could put potentially get alcohol poisoning and die like he didn't know like how much i drank but it was not going well so uh calls the ambulance and that's how i made it to the hospital but anyway long story short after that happened like they knew of me, so like they were like, the the college like sent me a letter, and basically had told me, um, that I was not allowed to come back there. But what happened was I was so hell bent on getting back in there. After that happened, I reached out uh to different colleges, and uh, actually got recruited the next three years to go to uh go to school up in Iowa called uh, Warper College, where the first year I was there, we won NCAAs. The second year I was there, we took second. And then the third year I was there, we won NCAAs again. That's like a real, like, things happen for, like, a yeah. reason kind of thing. Like, when you were first time, I was like, wait, where's this going to wrestling? And then it, yes. it got into, like, it oh, got it gets you to, deep. oh, wow. Dude, this, uh, like, honestly, sometimes <laughs> I don't tell people, like, uh, not my life story, but, like, past events because I feel like uh, sometimes they think I'm lying. And and it's not that, like, I'm like, oh, this is, like, some, oh, 
like grandiose crazy life that I live, but I feel like all of these things have happened for a reason to lead me to the spot that I'm at right now. Mm-hmm. Like in in Scottsdale, Arizona at Fight Ready. Like I don't know why, but all of those events, starting with that one event, has cascaded me to meet certain people to get me to this spot. So that's why I feel it's important. But yeah, so that's that's what got me to the next stage in my life was that event. Because if I was if that didn't happen, I definitely would 100% got myself back into into college. Like you had to screw up royally. To yeah, get like no, because like better. my yeah, like I got I got kicked out of college for my grades because I just wasn't going to class like an idiot. And then after that, the the year after, I got straight A's. So I was like, I just needed obviously like some motivation, something to put you on yeah. the right path and stuff. Like so that. I would have got back in, but like I was like, it worked out obviously for the better. And then you know <laughs> yeah. it's good. It's good that it's like only like. It was that one time that got you on the right path. Like, mm-hmm. not to mention any names, but like John Jones. Yeah. Like he just got arrested again. And it's yes. like, how many times, you know? It's, yes. You know, like, I mean, because we're about to uh, just take a halftime. But I do want to ask you a question. Like, sure. Because what I've been thinking a lot after that is that, you know, when you're in the sport of MMA and all those people are like looking up to you and, you know, wanting to be like you because like you you have so many you know fans just saying wow you know like you wish you could do a Jorge Masvidal flying knee but if they're getting into trouble like do you think that puts like a really bad image on like not not just the sport but like what people should aspire to be like you know I think that as athletes especially in the spotlight we have a responsibility to obviously um you know do the right thing and try to set a quality example but what I think that is complete BS is that uh, people try to act like people don't make mistakes. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, I understand that obviously John Jones is in a, a in a completely different situation, but um, still, I think it's ridiculous to to think that we are not human beings and we can't make mistakes because everyone makes mistakes. But what you need to, I think, what is good to do is to overcome them. Because then it can show other people, hey, like I can be like you can be at a terrible point in your life, but it doesn't matter because as long as it's you don't give up, it's not over yet. You can still turn it around. Kind of like when you see like Conor McGregor and what just sure. he just did. It's like it's his first time doing it. Yeah. Like John Jones, you see repeatedly, but Conor, it's like you got to understand he probably after taking that loss at 229, he probably hit him pretty hard because yeah. you that was a pure straight up landslide defeat. Mm-hmm. And it's probably like, how are you going to, you know, recover? So he's probably having a battle within himself. And that's when we really make our most mistakes. Yeah. Dude, but that's life. Yeah. It's ups and downs. If you can't deal with the downs, you're not going to get back up. So I feel like it's just, it, it, it translates to the same thing. Like, obviously, like I was saying, good example. But you can't pretend like you're perfect because no one is. Yeah. Absolutely. So. But with that, we're going to take a halftime. And then we'll be right back. So... I don't want to say it. I mean, we've already sworn a few times, so probably busting the algorithm, but I don't want to, you know, rub salt in the wound by saying it because from what I understand, you know, they censor what's going on. So I'm going to call it uh, Carl18 as to what's going on. Gotcha. So when they – because I know you guys were trying to, you know, really fight to keep it up. Was it at the end of March they shut it down or February? Like uh, the gym? Yeah. It was, I want to say t- – Two, yeah, it was the end of March, like the third week of March that we actually physically had to shut down. I believe it was on a Friday, too. Like, what was that process like learning 
that, you know, you guys have to close down and like, what do you guys do to supplement it now? Um, it was pretty odd, honestly, because we were actually, I want to say one of the last gyms in Arizona that like held on to like stay open. I want to say we made it one week longer than everyone. Um, but it was just odd because when it happened, like I, like our, our owner had told us that we weren't going to go and then like we had no choice. So it was weird. Um, but as far as what we're doing to supplement it, like there's honestly really nothing, um, you can do, um, what I will say though is that we have a uh, a very generous uh, owner and boss who is uh, at least giving us a percentage of what we would be making. So obviously, you know that's a very lucky, you know that's a blessing. So that's super cool. What as like as far as our income, we can supplement. But as far as like getting things done, all I'm all I'm trying to do is, is do some privates in the park. So I got a couple people that, uh, you know, are pretty loyal. So, like, my guy Frank comes, I want to say, two to three times a week. I got a guy, David Royin, who comes a lot. Um, or I'll go to some people's houses um, to go ahead and, and do that. Like, even if it costs money, as far as an Uber, as long as I can make something, it's still worth my time. Because with the quarantine, we're literally doing nothing all day. Oh, yeah. Catching up any, on, like, any gaming or anything like that? Or? Um, I have just gotten an Xbox. Actually, one of my uh, one of my sponsors hooked me up and, like, gave it to me, so. You got some of your gamer tag after this? Yeah, I will. Absolutely. I'm uh, I'm on Xbox, but uh, most of the time, all I've been doing, really, is just playing uh, Fortnite with my little brother, who's 13, and absolutely whoops my ass at it, so. That's um, pretty good. Yeah, it carries me at duos all the time. I used to be better than him at video games, but, uh, you know, as you, as you grow older, you kind of grow away from those things a little bit um so like so. like for the second like part i really want to bust out like the really fun questions let's do and it from I'm someone ready. who is like a, an aspiring athlete and what could be sure. like the most brutal sport out sure. there what do you think of all these kids now playing fortnite and calling it a sport like thinking they need gatorade it's and it's it's horrifying right like do you think ninja logo should be on monster energy it's like you don't need energy to sit there do you no i think i I think no offense ninja <laughs> love you I stuff. mean I don't think it should be classified as a sport but um I think it obviously is is a skill like it's it's that like that stuff in building like in all those you know the technique and the strategy but I don't think it should be called a sport you know what I'm saying you're not physically doing anything it's more of a mental thing it's like calling chess a sport yeah it's more it's, of like a it's more of like a how can you think kind yeah. of thing like checkers like I can't play chess to save my life yeah. But if someone wants to go checkers one-on-one, -on -one, I mean, that's where the game is. Sure, goes, yeah, you know? I'm down it's with like, that. But, um, yeah. yeah, no, I, I mean, Four I think five. it's just interesting, like, with, you know, what our, what our you know, generation is classifying as a sport mm -hmm. nowadays and how there's more people. Because the one thing I, I've realized, you know, because after – I when I got into watching, like, UFC, I had been, like, you know, 23, got out of, you know, college. I didn't see my, you know, degree taking me anywhere, so I kind of, like – spent a lot of time at Dave and Buster's like doing the, the you know downhill drinking and stuff sure. like that at the bar and then like I look up and I see like two guys going I'm like okay I've never you know watched this and I was like just sh like amazed by how much like of against the status quo they were showing like they're showing respect and everything like sure. that they're trying to like they're like touching gloves and then beating each other up again and I'm yeah. just like wow the for someone who does something so brutal and so like like violence that you know if you were to bring it to like a huge crowd of like normal college students they'd probably cringe at it you know, i would say yeah i would say um nowadays 
with uh with with colleges i would say actually it depends on like what area you're at mm-hmm. um because i had obviously gone to a different couple colleges so like i had seen like the culture differences where i would say probably at one college you'd be very accepted and people would love it and then at the other college people would like you said would cringe at it it's like toxic yeah or something exactly like so like i mean i can't even tell you the day that trump was elected like people i, I oh i remember was, i remember that was, day. like not to bring terrible. in politics but I, I well no i majored in theater too oh and so <laughs> when you see that many grown adults crying and hugging each other and stuff <laughs> yeah. it was just it was just like i mean like this is not a popular opinion but i i was sick that night like really sick so my sure. mind wasn't on the uh the whole like political thing right um i my mind has never really tried to be in there the only time like is when i like go on twitter just to watch people throw stuff at each other now mm-hmm. but it, it's just like i i fell asleep because i was focused on getting rid of the sore throat and this migraine and stuff yeah and then like i woke up and then i checked the facebook feed like how could this happen you know we're gonna live in and then i'm like oh wait did hillary win and i was like and then i check the the map and i'm like holy shiznit i was like this this is not happening i'm, I'm sleeping aren't i and then i like I call my buddy, I'm like, am I am I still asleep? Is this a dream? He's like, no, this is real life. And I'm like, oh. And then I go to the to the thing, and everyone has their heads down. But I I, I guess I was just like, not into the hysteria of it like everyone else was. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of like just a wake up call to just how, you know, sensitive the colleges can get nowadays. So like when you see something like, MMA, because I kind of want to get off the political part of it. Sure. You know, with MMA, it's like most of my you know friends who I went to college with and stuff like that. Like I, I one day I posted a, a picture of uh, me and my gi on my, as my Facebook profile. Mm-hmm. And you know, it, it wasn't anything. I just, you know, like the gi and everything like that. I kind of like, like no matter, even if I'm like a low level or a high level, I still like putting that on and rolling and, you know, having that, that kind of sportsmanship thing. Sure. But I, you get a lot of like crazy messages like, Oh, so you're fighting now. And it's like, Oh, it fits you and stuff like that. It's just, I think the assumption of MMA now and stuff or like any sort of martial art, it's like, is, would you say it's like in danger or anything? As far as what? As, as far as like people kind of like turning from it because it's, it's violence and it's icky and stuff like that. Uh, n- no, just because I would say there's all there, even though that there's always going to be crowd of that, I think the majority is, is a greater crowd that actually enjoys it. Mm-hmm. Um, especially, Obviously, you have your WWE fans, your casuals, you know, guys like that. Um, but then you have, you know, like actual people who understand and like you're saying, see the respect and like the the martial arts way of like the way they're doing it. And, see be, and like, obviously, like fan for it. So I think the majority will always like allow some some sort of path unless we get completely into, you know, some horrific 20 years from now where everyone's, a, you know, I'm not going to say any specific specific things <laughs> you can't that's how yeah. you that's how you you know don't make it sure. in the algorithm yes, and stuff like absolutely. that absolutely but uh actually you know because i want to keep the train of caught thought coherent because i remember i've had some some talks with you in the locker room about this guy because speaking mm-hmm. of donald trump what do you think of colby covington right now um i think after i used to actually buy into like the i'm like dude screw this guy he's you know he's an asshole like who does he think he is and then i'm like oh dude he's a genius he, he did what he's he had a genius to do. Like, because also being around Henry, I understand it. <laughs> you know, I, ca- I can ne- I can never say that it would be like my gig, because like I've always had like the, a picture of the way that I wanted to do it and like what I want to do with the MMA and like martial arts and like show. Um, but obviously, like after seeing like 
the difference between Henry Cejudo and Triple C, like these are these are personas. You know what I'm yeah. saying? He's not and doing it because it's really who he is. No, I mean it's to a degree. Because that guy is kind of a dork, but in a good way. Like he's a funny. Oh yeah, no, because I like I remember yeah. like after jujitsu class, I was like waiting for like 20 minutes, like just like that is the double champ with with a gold medal in the Olympics. Yes. So wait your turn to talk to him. Hold off, and if he doesn't n- notice you. You know, too bad. Like after he's done talking, because I could tell it was important about like sure. kids' wrestling techniques. And you know, he's got to take care of business first. So I want to sure. like show respect to this guy. And I'm like just sitting there with my rash guard on, like trembling in this guy's presence because of just you know how well he fights. I was like, yeah. I was I was honestly betting on Demetrius Johnson that fight. The second. And one. then when he, yeah that second one, and then when he you know won, I was so amazed by. It. I wasn't even mad about the fact that I lost money. And then when he fought TJ, I you know I. You know, sorry, Henry, but I, I bet on TJ because I was, Obviously. you know, I was everyone was expecting TJ to take it. And then we saw that first round and I was like, I have never been so happy to lose money at this point in my life because that knockout was as the as the Gen Zers say fucking mint. Right. <laughs> it's you know, it was it was amazing. And but like to That's get back awesome. on the subject. I was like just sitting there and he and he's like, Hey, do you wanna like take a picture or something? I'm just like, you know, I I didn't know what to ask him, so I asked him the basic question, like, is it true you defeated Magic with two sprained ankles? And he's like and I could tell he's already answered this question before. And he's like, Yeah, two sprained ankles and a thrown out shoulder and I'm like, That's even better. And then he's like and I'm like, Can you hold the, the camera? Because I'm like just trembling and your friends are like, sure. And then he's like doing the cutthroat thing and everything like that and just all that stuff. And then he gives me like the best advice I've ever like had just just for the modern times. He's like respect the internet kid and then goes away and i'm like that was amazing and yeah. it's just like so i'm honestly hoping he he does that dominic Cruz fight and that's like a real thing because that would like solidify him as like one of not only the greatest flyweight but one of the greatest bantamweights of all time yes i think that um in my opinion i think it's a better fight for his legacy than jose aldo especially in the position that jose aldo's in right now and on top of that, Jose Aldo's made his legacy and his, you know, his legend at 145. So yeah. even though, yes, I understand that he's one of the greatest at 145, he's still fighting at 135. So it's a different fighter. Whereas Dominic Cruz is kind of on his way down right now. Yeah. Like, sorry, Dominic. I know you signed my Infinity Gauntlet, <laughs> but uh, I mean, yeah. But is one of the guys that obviously, like, I watched to like try to understand and learn and you in, know, pick up things from because he's one of the greatest and, and like no matter how you feel about dominic cruz because i know it's like i know like he's rivaling with henry right now and you can mm-hmm. tell like it's probably just all online you know just yeah. to get the fight sold but watching dominic cruz and like just because i was so late to the sport of ufc to watch it so i missed the train i i got on at 223 he last fight was in 207 when he fought cody garbrandt mm-hmm. i was uh blown away by this guy's like philosophy i was like talking about you could either be a host god or a hostage to your own ego and how like things like jealousy and bitterness only hold you back so like look forward and you know he had such a go forward philosophy and he was so calm with it too and just so he was like one of the most zen people that it's mm-hmm. like you want to see that fight but just i feel like but like i kind of have like a opinion though i feel like the aldo fight would be necessary at bantamweight you know what i'm talking about Why so? because i honestly feel like aldo won that fight Against Marais. Yeah, I, I was, like, kind of disappointed by that sure. by that decision. And so, like, when I see people go on Twitter and say, and say, you know, oh, he's picking an easy fight. He's not picking an easy fight. Not you know, Aldo beat a guy that he beat. It was a decision, but mm-hmm. 
it kind of qualifies them for that thing because I was expecting Aldo to make a bad cut and make the same mistake TJ did. Yeah. But yeah. No, actually, you know what? I kind of agree with that because, like, I do think he won that fight, but at the same time, the decision is, like, what it is. Like, you got to kind of take it what it is because that's still a loss on his record no matter what. When you look back at it, they'll still say he still lost, like, no matter how you cut it. But, yes, I do think that he should have got that decision. I don't understand what half of these judges are seeing. Sometimes, sometimes, I'm like, all right, like, you guys nailed it. And sometimes I'm like, what were you even watching, honestly? But um, that's why you have to finish people, honestly, nowadays. So. And I don't know if, like, already answered this because we've had, like, a lot of talk time. Sure. But who would you say, like, besides Henry or Valentin, because I know you got you train with those guys, like, mm-hmm. who would you say is your favorite fighter to watch? Um, that's a good question. I feel like I could, I should have came prepared for this one, but man, I can't, I can't pick one, but I want to, I want to say honestly to, to watch and try to learn from, I'm sorry, Henry, but it's Demetrius Johnson because, um, he's just, everything that he does is so calculated and so crisp and clean that like. If he were to be the same size as John Jones, like, do you think he'd win that fight? Oh, he would win. Yeah, he would smoke. Well, yeah, he would smoke him because his speed is absolutely unreal. But like at two pod, that that well, couldn't be possible. What well, I mean, because I my my favorite fighter was on the same card where Demetrius Johnson against Ray Borg. Mm-hmm. Um, that flying armbar was yeah. amazing. I was like, like when I watched that, like the playback, I my jaw just dropped. Like, yes. like so, like you could see when Henry beat him. You know, it's it was a big deal. But yes. you got to see the the choice that Demetrius made, though. Like when he moved to you know one, mm-hmm. which honestly, you know what I think would be a really cool idea, if like Henry also like just took like one fight at one and just to see where it goes, and then have like that trilogy fight somewhere down the road when his sure. UFC career kind of like you know even if he still has the belt at that point because that that's like the thing is father times an unbeaten record right. so it's like if it's on the table a few years from now that that trilogy fight would be like a seller and i think it would actually get a lot of attention to one and and you know other places too cuz i yeah. feel like one is like very underappreciated yeah actually i i've always wanted uh when i think about like uh my goals um in mma like i'd always i've listed like uh want to be world champion and like UFC, Bellator, and one. Like, throughout my career, I would like to get all three of those. So, obviously, one is, like, one that I respect very, very highly. I think mm-hmm. Risen's a very cool one, but, um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, but also, like, UFC tends to go for, like, who's most marketable, too. Yeah, I think like they all do or, like, represent different periods or portions of, like, an MMA career oh, that, yeah. you sh- that you should go through. I would like to actually start in one. One. To be honest, and then go to to the UFC, and then obviously honestly, when you're like, on the I way, I honestly out, think like Bellator w- up. I think one <laughs> might actually have like the deadliest guys too, like the like the best fighters too. Like not to you know crap all over the UFC sure. or anything like that, because I like I have respect for like all three organizations. I just feel like if they were to do like a mix up or something, because like if you look at Ben Askren, like before he just kind of had his decline, mm-hmm. like when he was dominating that, like that was you could see that like he. He meant business when he went in there. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, he kind of like age just caught up to him right when he did the UFC thing. And then I think that that Jorge Masvidal fight, you know, kind yeah. of, you know, probably put a damper on things. Yeah. And if you're on the wrong end of something like that, yeah, I mean, that's got to be. Have you ever like because I 
I do have one more question sure. before anything, like before we uh, go to the training and everything, mm -hmm. but what is the, what is the, you know, worst loss you've ever taken in the, inside the octagon? If you've taken one. Oh yeah. A hundred percent has to be, uh, the EAFL national championship that was out in Chicago. So obviously I just moved here from Chicago. Um, I spent most of my growing up, my middle school and my high school years and my last two years to finish my college um, in Chicago. So I had a very big crowd. Um, it was up a weight class at 135, and I was fighting a guy named uh, Javier Coronado. He was 7-0 and at the time. And he had, like, I want to say six finishes. So he's tough, but, like, and at the time I was 4-0, but I wanted it. You know what I'm saying? On top of that, it's for a national championship. Um, like, this dude, I want to be the one to give him that one. Um, so I go and, you know, he's, he, he's an animal. He's two and zero as a pro already right now. That was his last amateur fight. Um, and I went in there and I completely dominated round one and two, took him down. I want to say three or four times and controlled him relatively good. But when he, uh, he did crack me, I want to say a couple times, maybe in the first or second round. And I was like, wow, this guy has hard punches, dude. Like, it was punches to the point that when it hit me, I honestly, like, blacked out for a split second. Like, didn't drop, but, like, it just, like, flashed me. I was like, wow, dude. Like, I've never been hit like that. Like, probably hands down the hardest guy that I ever hit. Because, um, dude, when we weighed in, he looked the same size as me. I had only cut, like, four or five pounds for it. Like, walking into the cage, I weighed myself before my, like, shakeout, right before going in. And I weighed a buck 40. So, I'm not weighing that heavy for 135 and this dude comes in i swear had to be at least 160 i was like huh you rehydrate well <laughs> um but anyway <laughs> so it's the third round and um dude um my parents are there my fan like i got like my three little brothers i got a whole crowd from like the last two years of my college probably like i want to say close to 100 people there for me and, like, I'm going into the third round, and I'm, like, I remember right before I got off the stool thinking, like, dude, you just got to take him down one time, and I'll be able to control him. Because I remember at the end of the second, he was completely gassed. Like, I had, I had just, like, blast doubled him and took him down, like, going into the third. Um, so I was, like, I got this just one takedown. And I get close, and the second I get close, like, he throws, I want to say, a right-hand feint. So I come in to go, th uh, go, go to my takedown to time it. And he, like, pulls back and hits, like, the hardest to ever been hit with. And I completely, like, buckled. But, like, my the second my knees hit the ground, I came back up. And I was, like, holy, like, dude, it was, like, way harder than the first, like, first two or second rounds. So I'm, like, trying to move, trying to move. And he clips me again with a, a left hook. And, like, I, my knees buckle again. And on the way down, I, like, I grab his leg. And I go to start to wrestle him. And they stopped it right away. Mm. So I'm not gonna lie, like I wasn't obviously out, but it's amateur, so they stop it kind of er earlier than they would professional. Mm -hmm. But dude, it was just such a heartbreaker because dude, I was like, there was number one, there was a national title on the line, like at a at a weight class that was higher. That if I had won, like obviously would have blown up my career because it was on NBC Chicago, so they aired that shit on NBC Chicago. So that was kind of tough. Number two, I had like a whole group and a whole crowd like my family my little brother my like i walked up into the crowd and my little brother was crying and i like like i just because like he's he he's like a phenomenal wrestler now and like the reason he started wrestling is because he like looks up to me and it was hard because i was like kind of like max holloway and his yeah. son pretty yeah. much it's like you're that 
you're like that superhero figure right. to him, and it's it's just like, you know, it's it's a hard hit. Dude, to, yeah, it was uh, tough because I was like, dude, I had him, I had him, I had him, and you, yeah, but uh, and I remember honestly, like, uh, like that night when I was showering and I was like cleaning my face because I was all cut up. I remember like breaking down in like the shower, and I remember just like talking to God and like asking him like please like if you if you like help me like throughout this like journey like I'll do anything like please like I could never I could, I could never go through like experience like that again so that was probably hands down the toughest loss I ever had but I feel like I needed it because it made me recommit 10,000 times harder and every time I always always think about I always think about that in the back of my mind when things get hard I'm like dude like I can never see my little brother cried like that again. So. You got to keep those losses matter more than the wins. Way more. And on top of that, it's amateur career. You know what I'm saying? It's your like, time I would lose. love to be undefeated <laughs> like John Jones for the entire career. But, like, at the same time when I go pro, I'm still going to have that O. And even if I do hypothetically lose, which I don't see when I go pro, it's like all that matters is I get the, those belts and those goals one day. Because, yeah, people see those losses, but it's it's – the pinnacle of what you reach it's not you're gonna have peaks and valleys but as long as you reach that pinnacle dude that's all that's all i want to do world champion three different organizations it's done all right thank you very much for joining us let's get to training right hell yeah all right stay healthy guys